Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey guys, Steve here. You are listening to one of our original 26 episodes. If you've listened to any of our new episodes, you're going to notice that we're sounding a little different in these ones. Yeah, there's a reason for that. There is. They've been remastered. They have been remastered. Because they had a really annoying hum. Yeah, I mean, a huge thanks to uh, listener James for doing almost all of the legwork on this thing. You'll also notice if you had listened to what we're calling the Lost 26 episodes before and you're re-listening now, the music and sound effects are gone. Yes, we've we've gone back to straight audio. So be warned, we sound a little different today than we do in what you're about to listen to. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh Bye. Okay, bye. Thinking Sideways. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey there. It's time for a little unsolved mystery action. You guys up for that? Woo! Woo! Okay, well, first off, uh, my name's Joe. I'm Devin. I'm Steve. Okay, well, let's get rolling here. Uh, so, our story starts in the early 70s. Uh, there was a break-in at the Hughes Corporation. The break-in led to a re- the revelation that the, uh, a ship that had been built by the Hughes Corporation, the Glomar Explorer, uh, which was ostensibly built for exploration and mining of manganese modules from the ocean floor, was not actually built for that purpose at all. It was actually part of a, a CIA project that uh, the Hughes Corporation was providing cover for. So the Glomar Explorer was, it turns out, uh, not not mining manganese modules at all. It was it was raising a Soviet submarine. Wait, what's so, a manganese module? I'm not even sure what the hell that is. <laughs> <laughs> but there, yeah, there apparently there are manganese modules on the ocean floor, and manganese is a rare, is a rare metal that's worth a lot of money, I guess. And so. You know, if it weren't so darn expensive to go retrieve those things off the ocean floor, then we could actually be grabbing those things and, you know, utilizing them. But apparently we're not because it okay. costs too much money. Okay. So anyway, um, as a little aside, you know, the, so the cover story was so effective that uh, some um, some major corporations actually put a lot of money into researching how to man how to actually retrieve manganese modules themselves from the ocean floor. And whoopsie, the uh, joke was on them. So anyway, back to back to so let's go back to 1968. In April 1968, the Soviet submarine K-129 sank in the Pacific, about 800 miles north northwest of Hawaii. It was an early Soviet boomer, and I'm sure you all know what a boomer is. But for the few of you who don't know what a boomer is, that's a submarine that carries nuclear missiles. The idea being that you know if somebody launches an attack on your homeland and wipes out all your land-based missiles, well, you still got some hidden out at sea to fire back at the enemy. We've got them. The Soviets have them. Uh, the Brits and the French have them. Chinese have them. So anyway, that's a boomer. So uh, this is one of the earliest attempts at a boomer. It was a diesel submarine that had been lengthened. The, the, the sail had been made larger to accommodate three vertically mounted nuclear-tipped missiles. They were liquid fuel. And that's probably why the submarine sank is because liquid fuel rockets tend to be a lot more prone to accidents, which is why we use solid fuel rockets on our boomers. 
So anyway, so it sank. Uh, we didn't know about it at first. The, what happened is the Navy noticed a huge surge of Soviet naval forces into uh, that part of the Pacific, obviously looking for their lost submarine. And so that caused us to go back and review our, our SOSIS records. And I'm sure you all know what SOSIS is. But SOSIS, uh, yeah, but for the few of you who don't, SOSIS is... Scratching my head. Yeah, is an underwater network of sonar, uh, sonar receivers that we've got in certain strategic places around the world. And, there, and so we actually pick up all kinds of noise and run it through computers and figure out what's going on in the ocean. Oh, is so, that how we heard the bloop? The bloop? Probably. Oh, yeah. It's a giant listening network. Yeah, it's, it's a big underwater listening network. We'll talk we about have, the bloop later. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I, I remember the bloop. But um, So anyway, so in response to this, uh, the U.S. went back and reviewed all of its SOSIS records and determined that, yes, indeed, there were, there were some sounds. There was, first of all, a big, a big boom associated with the explosion, and then somewhat after that, some other sounds associated with the implosion or the death of a submarine. So apparently they... Um, they probably had a problem with one of their rockets. They surfaced. It exploded. They probably had a problem with one of their rockets. They surfaced. It exploded. And then eventually the, the ship wound up sinking in about two miles of water. And huh. so and so using, uh, using um, triangulation, et cetera, we were able to figure out roughly where it had gone down. So at that point... Uh, and, and by the way, the, the project was eventually named Project Azorian, although they, they, they codenamed it Project Jennifer. It was codenamed Project Azorian, but they told the press it was tra- Project Jennifer because that's just the way they are, the government. I really wanted there to be 27 of them. Yeah, I know. Everybody thought it was Project Jennifer, but actually it's Project Azorian. Yeah, yeah. There's like – and so, yeah, I mean like, well – there's a guy who was part of the whole thing. He was on the Halibut, which was a spy sub that went out looking for the wreckage of the submarine. Eventually, like, you know, many years later, like in the 90s, he wrote a book about it called Spy Sub. And uh, in his book, uh, the Halibut was called the Viperfish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everywhere it was, he, he, he couldn't, and, you know, everybody, the Soviets, Chinese, all, everybody knows it's called the Halibut. You know, we all know this, but he was still required to call it something else, so he called it the viper fish. <laughs> that's, how, that's how silly they are about this stuff. Of course. Yeah, I know. So the guy's name was Roger Dunham, uh, and he was on board the halibut. And the halibut was um, um, was equipped to trail uh, an apparatus behind it, which they called the fish. And the fish was basically, remember, this is in, this is in like the early 70s. We didn't have digital photography and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So what they had to do is they had to... Trail this thing underneath the sub and behind the sub and do racetrack patterns, just go up and down in a grid pattern over the ocean floor, and then and then regularly haul the thing up back into the boat, pull out the film canisters, and develop oh the film. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. And so uh, eventually the day came, and they were, they were down there for weeks looking around, and eventually the day came when, hey, spotted something. And so they had pictures of something on the ocean floor, you know, the, the K-129. So they had found what they were looking for. And so at that point, that's when it's time to figure out what to do with it. It was laying on its side. One of the missiles had slid out of the top of the sail. And there was this, this thought got around that uh, we should probably try to raise it. And so the, the Glomar Explorer was built for that express purpose of raising that submarine to see, to explore their missile technology, maybe get a look at the code books, you know, whatever mm-hmm. else is going on. Uh, and so the Glomar Explorer was purpose-built for this very mission. 
it was it had this thing called the the claw that was then it had a moon pool in the middle of the of the ship the moon pool was just a big pool that was open on the bottom it had closing doors doors that could close but it could open up and it was 199 feet long and then at either end of that there were these crane type arrangements what essentially what essentially they did was they would lower down these big steel pipes slowly lower them down and mm-hmm. these other big machinery pieces that would grab the next piece. These were, I believe, 60-feet-long piece, and they were threaded on either end. And so you would lower this thing down all the way, these two pieces of steel that are attached to the claw, and then the cranes bring up two more big, huge tubes of steel, and, and they're threaded into the ones below. Like making then, a tent. Yeah. And the, yeah. And then those things are slowly lowered, and then and then the next the next pair of tubes are brought up, threaded in, slowly lowered, so the process of uh, actually getting the claw down to the K-120, oh. yeah, yeah, and bringing it back up took many days. Um, and so so uh, it was revealed many years after the fact that what had happened, the claw had five claws to it, essentially. It was like five, there were five individual claws that could grasp the submarine and then bring it back up. And so, um, the, unfortunately, they had an unfortunate incident, according to what the Navy said, the they went down too fast. They they slammed the claw into the ocean bottom. Nope. And yeah, and then they managed to maneuver it over to the submarine. I didn't. I don't, I don't know if I mentioned the claw actually had had like propellers and stuff on it, so that they could actually because they were such a long ways away. They, there was nothing they could do from their end as far as like like pushing on the pipes or anything to guide this thing. So they had to basically using underwater cameras and lights and everything like that. They would use propellers that were mounted on this thing to to pull it in various directions to get it centered over where they needed it to be, and they yeah. centered over the wreckage, and then they then they hooked the wreckage with the claw. Yeah, no, this this sounds yeah. this this makes me think of. Have you ever taken a, a tape measure uh-huh. and run it out to about six foot, uh-huh. and it's trying to bend and not uh-huh. quite break, and you're trying to get it over to touch something, and that's uh-huh. that's difficult, and that's just a six foot tape measure. Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know it, how, this was two miles down. Yeah, a couple of miles down. <laughs> Long ways down, it was like um, a very uh, a very difficult operation, and yet and yet tedious. I think is the word that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. That too, and and yet somehow they, alas, on the way up, um, on the way up, some of the claws broke, and the. Part of the submarine fell. They, apparently, the, the, so they, they they actually managed to hook it. Yeah, they actually managed to to get this thing wrapped around the sub. The claw was really like holding onto the sub, bringing it up. And unfortunately, about the, uh, some of the claws broke on the way back up under the stress, and most of the submarine was lost. And essentially, the nose remained, and the rest of it broke away. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So that is the official story. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Um, so, the, but, the, but the, of course, there's a lot of problems with that story. Did they get the nose? They bring it up? They, they keep bringing yeah, it up? They, they did bring the nose up. They, they, they brought the nose up. They, uh, they actually found the, the remains of some Soviet sailors, and they gave them a burial at sea, supposedly. Wait, didn't they already have one of those? <laughs> yeah, they, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. Like. yeah. And they didn't, but they didn't find much of value. Cause but his anyway. pupils are giant, too. Yeah. Okay. okay, there's several problems with this story. Okay. Uh, the K, the K129 was 328 feet long. The sub. The sub. That they were retrieving. Yeah, 328 feet long. 328 feet. 328 feet long. The, uh, the moon pool of the Glomar Explorer was 199 feet long. Huh. Now, given okay. that it was purpose built for the mission of raising a, a submarine that's, uh, what? <laughs> 129 <laughs> feet longer than the moon pool. You kind of got to ask, you know, exactly why they didn't make it a longer moon pool. But uh, when questioned about that, a Navy spokesman said that the plan was to haul it up and then have divers go down and cut the cut the ends of the submarine off because they were mainly interested in the middle part where the, where the missiles were. They were just going to cut it off? That, yeah. But that's more than half of the sub, isn't it? Uh, they would have to or cut about off. half. Or cut about off. half. Almost half. I mean, 328 feet, it would have had to cut it down, I'm assuming, to at no more than 190 feet. Let have a little bit of play, right? 195 at the most. Yeah, so they're losing a lot of sub there. Well, and it's a sub. It's not as if it's just a shell and you cut exactly. the outside shell and it falls apart. Exactly. I mean, the, pro- the process of, of cutting the ends off is you're talking... Uh, weeks, I at mean, least many weeks of uh, because there's framing, there's decks, there's all kinds of there's piping and tubing and all. That's kinds the of sort stuff. of thing they do for you know months on a dry dock on a ship. Uh, yeah, exactly. Imagine doing that underwater, and you know, especially you know in, at sea, at sea with waves and everything. But the next problem is that the um, the next problem is that somehow the nose remained. Uh, some of the nodes remained in the claws, even, and the rest of the sub broke away. But it seems rather unlikely that even if the nose was, even if there was damage to the sub, and I'm sure there was, and it, it wouldn't be so extensive that, that the nose wouldn't have been pulled out with the rest of the wreckage out of the claws. It seems rather unlikely. And last of all, last of all, how did they get the nose into the moon pool? Because, theoretically, the nose should have been sticking way out one end of the claws if it stayed behind. So yeah. So how exactly did they get that nose into the moon pool? And well, there's there's no reclose that says quote unquote this is what we did correct? How do you mean there's no as in this is how we got the nose in the moon? Oh, pool. Oh yeah, yeah, no, they never explained that. No, okay, That's never well, been explained. <laughs> I'm just so, thinking. Okay, well let's let's yeah. just run with the theory. Let's just run with the story. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we pull it up and a big chunk of it breaks away. Oh yeah. crud! The only part that we've got left is what we meant to cut off, and it won't fit in the hole. Yeah. Well, it's like trying to get something in your car that's too big. You got to tie it on to something and and cinch it down. And I can just imagine. They would have gone in with some kind of cabling uh-huh. and attached the superstructure, uh-huh. let go with the claw, and it would have drifted down, and, and then it, they would have craned it up yeah, through the moon that, pool. That is, that is entirely possible. They could have done something like that. I okay. Mean, they could have, like, um, 
you know, I don't know if they had anything on, on board that was capable of hauling that much weight besides the claw itself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they could have, they could have actually, uh, attached cables, dropped it, let it be suspended, bring the claw back down and grab it. Yeah. And bring yeah. it back up. So that's entirely possible if that's what they did. I mean, that's, I'm just thinking, okay, well, let's yeah. just say the story is true. The, mm-hmm. the cover story that we're, that is the cover story for the first story. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that's true. That's yeah. the only plausible way I could see it happening. I agree with that. Yeah. 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 So anyway, but uh, it is suspicious that you know they would if they custom built the ship, and yeah. you know I don't know anything about structural integrity of ships or anything like that. I don't know if it was, you know, impossible for them to do that to make it actually to make big it enough. actually that long. You know, especially um, the moon pool. The ship would have been pretty big. It would have had to be very big to accommodate that large of a moon pool. Um, but. Uh, why would you? Why would you do that? Well, why would you? Why would you go to all this trouble and expense to raise an, an obsolete diesel submarine? You know, I mean, really? Yeah, I guess I that's mean, the real question, isn't it? You know, there wasn't there wasn't much in there. I mean, the, the, the Soviets had liquid fuel rockets, which was a technology that we had already aban- had abandoned mm-hmm. in favor of solid fuel rockets. So it's like the it's not like we were really chosen for their rocket team. And of course, there and they were, were nukes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been probably, possibly there would have been some usefulness to seeing their nuclear warheads and, you know, figuring out how tinkering with those a little bit. Mm -hmm. There would have been some usefulness there. But again, you know, uh, it probably would have been easier to just grab one of the rockets that have fallen out and just, you know, build a much smaller, have a much smaller operation that goes down and just grab a rocket that's a missile in the ocean. So, Uh, and, you know. Are there theories about. These no. problems? No, no, I, I, I have no theories myself. Well, I have theories, but I, I don't believe them very, very much. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a couple of theories. One is that. Uh, oh, and I wanted. Uh, yeah, one other thing I wanted to mention too is that uh, there's a guy who was involved with this project called John Craven, who wrote actually wrote his memoirs. He was in the Navy, not actually with the Navy. He was a scientist, and he was involved in the sonar search for. Not only the wreckage of the K-129, he was he was the guy that actually orchestrated the search to find it through the sonar records and pinpoint its location. And he also um, he also was part of the search find the Scorpion, which was a U.S. submarine that sank in 1968. Mm-hmm. So it was a skipjack class sub that sank in the the Atlantic off the Azores. So he wrote his memoirs, and in his memoirs, he said uh, he was talking about Project Azori, and he said that. He's, he said that he had seen the photographs that were taken by the halibut and that he was surprised to hear that what the photographs were of was a diesel submarine. Hmm. That's what he said. Did and he so, did he say what he thought they were going to be? He, he now he he didn't say what the photographs were of. He just said basically they it wasn't a, it was not a diesel submarine. Have these photos ever been released? Not that I know of. No. Hmm. And this happened again. What was the year they pulled it? Sixty-eight. Uh, nah, that was the year the, the submarine sank. It was the early seventies when this when it was actually raised, okay. Okay. Raised. Yeah. So uh, Freedom of Information Act extends how far back? Yeah, I don't. I, you know, they usually it's it's. I would say it's it's long past time to release those things. And actually, I have not yet researched that. My bad. I should probably try to find out if any of those photographs have been released. But I really suspect they haven't been released because I suspect what I suspect actually happened is that when the K one twenty nine sank, when a submarine goes hands in the position of the planes, but say say for example. Uh, the rudder is straight, 
and the, and the, the stern planes have been straightened. Mm-hmm. And so you start to sink. And eventually, if your nose is, if your, if your nose is a little bit, you'll start going more vertical. And at that point, you, your control surfaces in the rear of the submarine basically act like flutes on an arrow. And so. And they drive you downwards. They drive you downwards. Essentially, you're going to, you're going to wind up going straight down. So if the K129, when the K129 sank, I'm guessing that probably it went in nose first. The nose was completely demolished. And so that's why the Navy felt very comfortable saying that they'd recovered the nose because the nose no longer existed anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So what that's I, what fair. I, what I believe is that uh, the Glomar Explorer, when it was built for another mission, it performed that mission. And then later on, as part of their little cover story, they went out to this part of the Pacific where this thing had been, where the, where the submarine had sunk, and they parked out there for weeks and pretended to raise the wreckage of the submarine. That is my belief. Now, what, whatever it was they actually raised, I'm not sure. It could have been a, it could have been the wreckage of the Scorpion, which I mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, there was a lot of, there was actually speculation in the submarine community that the Scorpion had been sunk by the Soviets. So there probably was motivation to raise the wreckage and find out what precisely had sunk the Scorpion. How big was the scorpion? Well, that's the problem. The scorpion was 252 feet long. So also too big for the... Yeah, well, um, when it hit, it kind of hit nose first. So what happened is um, part of the after section telescoped in. So it scrunched. So it did get get compressed somewhat. I was was doing a little research to try to find out exactly how extensive the damage was and how short, basically how short the the scorpion had become Mm -hmm. from its impact. I've seen pictures. Of course, these could be doctored pictures too. Sure. Because, you know, if if it turns out that they, and they were able to take underwater pictures of the scorpion, but if it actually, it acts torpedo, they would probably airbrush that because, you know, because, you know, you're admitting that the Soviets had declared, they basically declared war on you by committing an act of war and then you've got to do something about it. Yeah. So... Uh, the story that I heard, I know some submariners, um, and submariners have noticed a silent service because they never talk about their stuff. But of course, they talk all the time. <laughs> I, I heard from a couple of them that yeah, the um, the, so the scorpion was in their boats in, in revenge. But you know, hockey, okay. <laughs> hockey. Um, so, but and I have also submariner that the, the navy had indeed wreckage somewhere. Mm-hmm. But again, could be just pure garbage, BS. just pure BS. Who knows? Yeah. So anyway, it's a mystery. So we don't know. Uh, it could have been the wreckage of uh, maybe an experimental Soviet submarine, one of our experimental submarines. It could have been a UFO. So when after, so obviously we don't know exactly what it did. But after this mission, mm-hmm. what did they do with the Glomar Explorer? Yeah, the Glomar Explorer got refitted. Actually, you know, I had the good fortune to actually see the Glomar Explorer. It was right here in Portland. That was like. I think 98, 99, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. I was taking a jet boat ride. You know the jet boats? Yeah. That are right by the, the USS Blueback. Right, the, yeah. The, the mighty Blueback down at Omsi. Yeah. Yeah, so I took a jet boat ride, and then we went up to Cascade General Shipyard, and on the outside of the shipyard was nothing, no less than the Glomar Explorer. I was here for a refit. They Apparently, they, uh, and I forget, uh, I, I forget exactly what they refitted it for, but it's still in service. It's 619 feet long. So let's just start and that. Yeah. So, so how how wide was the moon pool? Uh, 
How wide is the moon pool? Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying, I'm trying to get a general scale of the, sh- of the, the Glomar. Uh-huh. So like how long, how big is the Glomar? Yeah. I mean, is it a giant block floating in the ocean essentially? Or uh-huh. I'm just trying to get an idea uh, it, of what it, it actually looks like a ship. I've actually got a picture here. Yeah. It's 619 feet long. And as you can see, you can see from those towers there, those are the towers that those, those great big steel pipes go in or are, are in. Oh, so it, it, that, I'm glad you showed me the photo because it, it looks just like any other ocean-going vessel. I expected this thing to be some crazy wide and flat yeah, thing it, to accommodate the weight and the pull and all of yeah, that. Yeah, you thought it would look like a, some sort of floating dry dock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. essentially. That's yeah. what I, I would have expected it yeah. to be. Yeah, but no, it's like, yeah, yeah, six, 619 feet long. It's got a regular bow and everything. It's just got that fancy steam feet uh, and beam. Yeah, let's take a look at this. So anyway, it was mothballed, eventually refitted, um, and, and eventually got sold off. And it's still in service today. It's right in vessel for feeling and radiation so, out of it. Yeah, so ask me again. Uh, do you know what they're doing with it? Yeah, they, it was it was converted in Cassie General. It was modified to a... What they call a dynamically sea drilling ship, capable of drilling waters of seventy five hundred feet. Um, oh, so it's an oil drill, and with some modification up to like eleven eleven thousand five hundred feet. So it's yeah, Devin's right. It's a giant drilling ship now. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. It's it's, it's yeah, like like kind of like an oil platform. I think probably more for exploration than actually. You know, it's probably probably mm. too valuable a thing to actually use as an, as an oil platform. Sure, but yeah, and so it's still in service. Huh. Yeah. And who knows, you know, knowing that maybe they're obsessed with secrecy, but there's probably still a couple of code books lying around in some old are. <laughs> yeah. So the Hughes Corporation built this, and, and when when the Hughes Corporation went down, I mean, did, did any other information ever come out? I mean, I know he was a fanatic for secrecy, yeah. but I'm just curious if anything ever slipped out other than that break-in that it, uh, initially told us what was going on. Uh-huh. Not not that I am aware of, no. The, the, yeah, it is all, it is all still secret. I mean, they're pretty good about keeping secrets, um, believe it or not. Do I mean, we know yeah. if that break-in was motivated by secrecy? It could have been motivated by a desire to get the cover story out there. Sure. Um, you know, because obviously... Wait, which cover story? Yeah, exactly. There's there's always more than one. Well, no, so, no, yeah. I, I'm serious. So the what was the cover story, story originally? The original cover story was that it was built for the mining of manganese modules. Okay, break-in. Yeah, and there, there was a break-in, which blew that cover story, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, so now so now we get to the next cover story, which is they're raising an obsolete diesel submarine off the, off the Pacific Ocean floor. Okay, except then that doesn't hold water, no pun doesn't intended. Hold water, uh-huh. but, but, you know, but cover stories are always like that you never have just one you have a, they're like a they're like an onion as you peel back the layer get to the next stinky the next stinky little tear jerking. yeah exactly so it, it, it's possible story. that the break in it could have it's entirely possible that for some you know perhaps they wanted to tweak the soviets a little bit you know and that's so, true it was and the so, 70s and yeah. it's in the still in the cold war yeah perhaps they you know they didn't necessarily want to tell the truth about why exactly they had built this ship and done whatever they had done with it. But they decided it'd be kind of fun to like tweak the Soviets. You know, we've already done what we wanted to do with it. Let's let's take it out to the Pacific, park it somewhere, pretend to be raising their sub, and then we'll have the and then we'll we'll blow our own little cover story and tweak the subs. You know? So, so yeah. are there any wild theories? I mean, any theories out there that are weird and crazy that up? I mean, nah, I I have not heard any. There's, this this thing is like. Um, 
not really conspiracy theory, theory th- circuit. This thing is not really huge. Okay, like, okay. Know, it's like, this actually not it's not a story that a lot of people are really into. For I was waiting that. to hear that this was where we discovered Velcro or something yeah. crazy yeah. like that. Yeah, and two uh, years later, Velcro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. explain that. Yeah. Timing's right. No, exactly. There it was in the ocean floor. <laughs> <laughs> the logical place for Velcro. Yeah, what the hell is this? Wow, look at this. Wow. <laughs> I could hold my shoes together. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah. I love Velcro. Oh, God, who doesn't? Are we going to do a show about Velcro one Let's of these do days? a show about Velcro. We'll have to Yeah, we'll have to do that. Mysteries of Velcro. Well, anyway, that's about it for the story. If I if I uh, think of anything that I overlooked in this particular story, I'm not listeners, I will just sandwich it in at the beginning of the next story. So, there you um, go. Or yeah. we just well, you can just update the post on the website. We, we can, can do that as well. That. We can always do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue to research this story. It's a fascinating story, and I think that uh, I, I, someday we'll probably find out what they actually did with the Glomer Explorer. So, Sidewayspodcast.gmail.com. Okay. But, uh, okay, so for those of you who are interested in following up or more fascinating details or, you know, if maybe you just want to, like, you know, go over it again, just to be sure you have it all down right. Write us about the story or anything okay. like that. It's thinking sideways podcast at Gmail. Okay. Okay. And also, if you would like to write us, if uh, you're somebody out there, like, for say, say, for example, if you're Dr. John Craven and you want to talk about, you know, some of the details of that stuff, we would love to hear from you. Anybody else out there also, uh, Roger Dunham, uh, you please also write to us is thinking sideways podcast at gmail. That's it for tonight or today. Anyway, that's it for today. So we'll see you next week for now. Talk to you later guys. I'm Joe. Bye. Aliens. It's the aliens. The aliens. I agree. Yes. It's the aliens. Somebody agrees with me. Finally. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 